0: everybody, welcome back to the Word Up Podcast. And this is your host, Ryan Finney, and it's good to be back with you. It is officially spring where I am right now, uh, after a long, cold winter, and uh, a couple days where it seemed like it was going to be spring, but now it's finally spring. So I'm pretty excited about that. I hope everyone out there is staying safe in this pandemic. Um, If you're listening to this in the future, um, right now, in 2020, early 2020, the entire world is basically shut down because of the coronavirus. And so, uh, just a quick, quick uh, encouragement before we get dive uh, before we dive into today's episode. Um, through this whole thing, uh, I don't know about you, but I have been uh, overwhelmed at times, and definitely informed to the max that I could handle. Where Anxiety starts to build up a little bit and fear creeps in and I just want to say if that's you um, One thing that uh, just popped in my mind was that Jesus is in control of this whole thing and will be in control He's still His king. He is still at the right hand of God and um, This is just a result of some some people being really dumb and unfortunately, we have to live with it. And so I just want to say, if if you have any fear like me right now or at times where fear seems to creep in, or maybe you're just overwhelmed uh, because you go to the grocery store and you see how uh, how much affected we are today, I just want to say again, Jesus is king. He's in control. And we just have to put our trust and hope in him and live life as normal as possible still worship him, still uh, honor him, give him praise and glory. Um, if your church is closed and doing online services, mine is currently doing online services. I know a lot of them are. I want to uh, cr- encourage you to pray for your leaders, pray for your pastors. They have never gone through this before. Um, the last time that I think churches were closed because of a, an illness or a pandemic likeness, was during the Spanish flu, and that was over a hundred years ago. So, again, just I uh, want to encourage you to pray for your leaders. Uh, keep on giving to your church as normal. Uh, keep lifting those people up in need, and uh, be the hands and feet. The church is never was never meant to be a building. It was always about to be a community of believers that came together and influenced those around them, and to love and cherish and. Uh, The whole thing is up in that way and and to be with the people. And I could totally dive into that whole thing, uh, the ecclesia of the church, what the church was meant to be. Um, But again, I just want to encourage you to lift up the the people of your church, the leaders, the pastors, and um, yeah, that's my encouragement before we dive in today. So today's episode is on John chapter 4. And I want to dive into uh, verses 1 through 15 or 14. Um, yeah, 15. We'll go verses 1 through 15. And uh, this is the story of when Jesus encounters the Samaritan woman at the well on his way through um, Samaria. Now, I want us to walk away with two main uh, objectives, two main things to carry away from this podcast. Uh, first, uh, when Jesus moves or when Jesus is moving, he is not only doing one or two things that we may be able to see or infer that he's doing, but when he's moving, a million things are happening in and around us through Jesus, through everything, uh, more than one or two little things that we can see that's happening. I like to look at it like this. When you throw a pebble into a body of water, you can see the ripple effect going further and further out. That's what happens when Jesus is on the move or when Jesus intentionally does something special is that he's throwing not just a pebble, but he's throwing a huge, massive rock into a body of water and we can see the ripple effects going through the water and causing some sort of effect. So that's the number one thing, is that when Jesus is doing something, when he's up to something, he's up to something big. The ripple effect is huge. It's not just a minor thing that is happening. And the second thing that I really want to walk away with is that we understand when Jesus is moving, when we see him moving in our life or other people's life, that it's with intention. That what he's doing is not just careless doing of jesus no matter what jesus is doing it's with intention just like today with the coronavirus i'm not saying jesus caused this but he is in control of this and he has control of this and so as we dive into uh, these first 15 verses of john i want to keep those things in the front forefront of our mind that jesus is in control of all circumstances and that when he is moving that it's not just a small thing that he's doing but a million things are happening for to bring God the glory ultimately, but also to bring people to Him, to bring people into His kingdom, to bring people into His family, and we'll see that here with this story. So let's dive into uh, John chapter four, verse one. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had, and he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. Okay, I want to dive into this small little paragraph here before we dive further into some scripture um we learn in verse the first verse that jesus learned that the pharisees had heard what he was doing that he was making more ba- making and baptizing more disciples than john even though it wasn't himself but he was actually his disciples he was teaching his disciples how and what to do how to bring the kingdom and so um it it can be really interesting like if we just read it as it is without looking at the text and the context um it sort of makes sense okay jesus learned that the pharisees had heard what he was doing so he left that really doesn't make much sense it makes sense the first time i i was thinking about the end story i was thinking about the end game of jesus that we know in in the gospels that the Pharisees don't like him. They ultimately plot to kill him and hang him on a cross. And so, but this is a little too early. This is a little too early in his story to kind of know that that's going to happen. And we can probably think that Jesus knows what's going to happen. And maybe he knows the hearts. He does know the hearts of, the man, of men. He does know the hearts of men. And he knows that what the Pharisees are up to. And so he could probably think, okay, I got to get out of here before these guys kill me because the time is not yet here. Maybe that's one thing. Maybe it's that he wants his cousin John's ministry to uh, keep going and, be, and not be discredited from his own ministry. Uh, we could come up with a thousand different things. And it's difficult to, to be sure of why the purpose was, what the purpose was for Jesus to move out from Judea and depart again from Galilee, we, we don't really know. But again, when Jesus is up to something, he's intentionally up to something. And so he had to pass through Samaria, verse four. Uh, that's in- interestingly worded that he had to pass through Samaria. I think the author here is making a point that Jesus intentionally wanted to go through Samaria and actually didn't have to go through Samaria. You see, the Jews did not like Samaria at all. They did not want to associate with Samaritans. They didn't even want to be in the same room or the same region. They would actually go on a further journey around Samaria uh, to get to Galilee. So they're going out of their way. And Jesus says, no, we got to pass through Samaria. I've got to pass through Samaria because I'm up to something. So I want to kind of take a a five minute uh, history lesson and dive into the history of Samaria and the relation to Jews specifically. Um, Don Carson actually has a very uh, fantastic description of what exactly is going on. And and he says it like this. After the Assyrians captured Samaria, the capital of the northern kingdom of Israel, in 1722-21 B.C., they deported all the Israelites of substance and settled the land with foreigners who intermarried with the surviving Israelites and adhered to some form of their ancient religion. So we see this in Second Kings chapter 17 and 18. After the exile of the southern kingdom in Babylon, Jews returning to their homeland viewed the Samaritans not only as the children of po- political rebels, but as racial half-breeds whose religion was tainted by various unacceptable elements. And so uh, we can kind of think of it like this, that there's ethnic, racial, and religious issues here that made Jews feel a little uh, uncertain or didn't really like the Samaritans in that way. Um, They were ceremonially unclean and um, racially impure. Uh, Their religious they were religiously heretical and therefore the the Jews avoided them for all circum for all those circumstances so again there, there there was ethnic racial and religious issues that the Jews just did not want to deal with and so it would make sense that um, Jesus as a Jew he would it would make sense for him to avoid Samaria at all costs uh, because, If you talk to a Samaritan, if you associate with the Samaritan, then you have the potential of becoming unclean um, according to the law. And so Jesus, again, in John chapter 4, says that he had to go through Samaria, uh, which is really, really interesting. He didn't have to, but he had to because he's up to something. He's getting ready to intentionally do something here. And this is where it gets really, really good. Um, I want to make a quick note here as we read through the next few verses that there is a there is a great connection between uh John chapter 4 and Luke 15 uh or this story and the story of the prodigal son and um I'll talk maybe I'll talk a little bit more about that here in a few a few minutes but I just want to point that out now if I don't I want to encourage you to read the prodigal son, and see how there's a connection between this story and that story. Um, So let's continue to read in uh, John chapter 4, verse 7. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? Jews have no dealings with Samaritans Jesus answered her if you knew the gift of God who it is that is saying to you give me a drink you would have asked him and he would have given you living water the woman said to him sir you have nothing to draw water with and the well the well is deep where do you get that living water are you greater than our father Jacob he gave us this well and drank from it himself as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will never so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Um, a few things to point out that we already kind of talked about. He already, he's in Samaria, which is like kind of a no, no, no for Jews. Um, he's hanging out by this well and a woman comes up and it said that it was the sixth hour of the day, which is basically noon. And at this time of day, it would probably would have been pretty warm around the time of year, um, And so people would usually draw water in the morning or in the evening, never really at high noon um, or at six o'clock or this hour, or not six o'clock, but the sixth hour of the day, um, because it just didn't make sense. This woman is avoiding people. She's coming here to avoid her culture, her community. She's coming to just be alone, uh, probably because of her backstory. Uh, she, later on, Jesus talks about what she, uh, how she is an adulterous woman, how she's had four husbands. And now the man that he, uh, that she is now with isn't even a husband. Um, she could be avoiding the people because of her shame that she carries. And so uh, one thing that we need to note here is that, again, he's in Samaria. Um, he sent all of his disciples to go give food in Samaria. I don't think it takes 12 12 disciples to go get food for everybody. And, And that is a really interesting thing. He's not just sending them away. He wants to be alone. He wants to do something in this woman's life that's going to radically change her for the glory of God. It's going to have kingdom impact. And he's bringing the kingdom into her life right now and in a powerful, powerful way. And he's got to do it where the disciples are around. For one, I think for for a uh, really good reason is that he's teaching his disciples how to do this at the same exact time. You see, they would not be here. And he's saying, go get food. Go get food for everybody right now. This food that you're going to go get, you're going to have to order it from a Samaritan. That Samaritan is going to have to make it. And then you're going to have to pay for it and receive it from a Samaritan. So you're going to have to cross boundaries. You're going to have to take the the boundaries of this religious segregation that has been created. And you're going to have to break those down right now. And I think that's what Jesus is doing. He's teaching his disciples that it's not about boundaries anymore. It's not about this segregation that's happening. It's about uh, the kingdom of God breaking through in a miraculous way. Um, to make it kind of make more sense Uh, as I was preparing this I was trying to think about a cultural uh, relevance that we see here in America maybe in the last 50 years or so and I would say about 50 years ago in the south specifically um, and maybe other places around the United States if you walked in to a hardware store or grocery store or anywhere that you may be running errands you would probably see two water fountains above the water fountains fountains there would be a sign that says whites and there would be another sign that says colored or blacks this is basically the same thing that we see here in the bible the jews do not speak to the samaritans they are totally segregated from each other in the same way that we would have seen the segregation In our country in the United States uh, 50 years ago and Jesus is intentionally moving into this to create a kingdom impact to bring not just the Jews but everybody into his kingdom see he loves everybody and that's what the Father's love is for is for everyone not just for one group of people but for every single group and Jesus is pursuing you he's pursuing me he's pursuing every every single person he wants a relationship and in this story he's pursuing an unacceptable relationship god is pursuing this woman right here in this text he wants her in heaven he wants her to be part of his family this is grace if we've ever seen it everything right here is intentional uh, this is not just happening, but this is by design. This is by God's design. In John 3:17, it says that God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So Jesus is intentionally breaking century, old taboo and and breaking the segregation uh, barrier right now right here. and he sat on the well to do it. He spoke. And did not remain silent. He spoke to a Samaritan. He spoke to a woman. He spoke to an adulteress. And he asked for a drink. And he asked for a drink from this woman. God's going to do some weird things. But it's with intention. I can tell you that right now. It's with intention. And purpose. He wants a relationship. With every single person. I point out five um, things he says about the water that he offers to the woman. And then he offers to us today. To you today. One uh, In verse 10, he says it's a gift of God. If you knew the gift of God, um, that it's living water. That he would have given you the living water uh, number three, if you drink it, you'll never thirst again. That is, it's always there to satisfy you when your longing soul is thirsty. Whoever drinks of this water, in verse 14, I will give him, will never be thirsty again. That's important. That's the, that's the key component that I think is going to change lives. If you drink of it, you'll never thirst again. And then, after you drink of it, this water, in verse 14, it says, The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water. That's why you never get thirsty again, because it becomes a spring, out a well, an internal well. But because one true drink produces a well for eternity, it becomes an internal well for eternity and this water gives eternal life. Uh, verse 14, a spring of water welling up to eternal life. I really enjoy the, the the third point about this, that if you drink of it, you will never thirst of it again. I think so often, we, um, so often, when I say we, I am totally included in this. We, uh, we become Christians because we think that it will be a life that will be easy that that all of your thirsts will be uh you'll never thirst again for anything you'll never have any desire and and life will just be fun i mean i hear often so many times that people just again i'm i'm in this uh i'm not trying to segregate myself from this and separate myself from this but people attend church and and buy into church and give to church uh, because they believe if they are part of the church and do this, like I will just bless them and life will be great and fantastic. And even even the woman in this point, she even see, uh, sees it herself. And the woman says to him, sir, give me this, give me this water. But then she kind of like screws it up. She says, so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. She's not wanting to bring her bucket which is heavy to bring to 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 this well every day so that she doesn't have to bring her shame every day to the well so many of us will come to church to come to christ come to know the lord so that we don't have to bring our bucket to the well any longer and jesus is just like come on you not get this do you not get this? Uh, in the previous chapter, Nicodemus was the same way. Um, Jesus said to him, you have to be born again. You have to be uh, uh, born again. And Nicodemus is like, I can't get into a womb. I'm already a man. Like That's just weird. That's not going to happen. And Jesus is like, no, that's not what I'm talking about. You have to be born again. You have to leave your old self behind. And walk forward in the new. The Holy Spirit has to come upon you. And renew you, and transform you into what He's doing. And so, uh, the woman she doesn't even get that until the very end, until Jesus brings up her sin and what and what she has been thirsty about. And I just want to um, encourage us here about this because. So many times we will come to Jesus, are we so many times our souls are thirsty And we go to other things, we go to other wells to satisfy our th- our soul's thirst. That well could be the internet, it could be pornography, it could be sex, it could be relationships, it could be jobs, it could be a football, it could be t- television entertainment, it could be, Um, a huge array of anything in today's culture. I mean, it's it's ridiculous of how many things can can temporarily satisfy our thirst. And Jesus is saying to this woman right now, right here, he's saying to her, "If you just accept this water from me, just accept this message that I have to give to you, fully." leave your old self behind. Come to me whenever you're thirsty and weary, and I will satisfy your soul's thirst. I will be the one that will satisfy all thirst that you have. Friends, I just want to encourage you today. Maybe you've got some thirsts and you find yourself always going back to the old habits of satisfying those thirsts. Maybe it could be drugs or alcohol again, entertainment or whatever it is that that will get your temporary temporary fix in um, My wife always told me this uh, when we first got together is that go to Jesus for everything. go to Jesus when you are weary, when you need it thir- when your soul thirsts, And you don't know why. Friends, it's because we are created to have relationship with the Father. And this is what Jesus is doing. He's intentionally moving to have relationship with us. And all we have to do in response, all we have to do is take a drink from the well. And when we we truly take a drink from this well that Jesus has to offer, this well will become a living well inside of us. This water will become a living well inside of us. And it'll it'll overflow. It'll start overflowing and spilling on other people in a way that people will say, what is this that's that's on me, that's fill, that's overflowing on me that from you. What is this? Because that's that's the Holy Spirit. That's Jesus. And they'll want some of that. And then, once they have it, it'll overflow and spill on someone else and they'll want some of it. Friends, I want to encourage you and I want to encourage myself, even in this talk, that it's about Jesus. It's about following Jesus with everything. And sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it just doesn't make sense. Sometimes it just doesn't Uh, makes sense to follow him 100%. I get it. Um, I like to have control. I always try to figure out the next step. But I can guarantee you that he's 50 steps ahead of you. That he's intentionally pursuing you. That he wants you to be at his table tonight eating dinner with him over all things. If we just accept that, accept us accept him into our hearts fully maybe again for the maybe you've done this before and accepted him into your heart or maybe you've never done it uh, friends i want to just encourage you to um to just step forward and and fully accept jesus into your life take the take the drink from the well that he has to offer there isn't. I believe there isn't a special prayer for this, but just an acceptance. You can say it out loud in your own words. Just tell them that you accept him. You accept him as Lord and Savior over your life. And friends, it's not going to be easy. It's going to be challenging at times, but I can guarantee you if you take that first step, and then another step, and then another step, It'll be an incredible journey that he has for you. I hope this has been an encouraging message, not anything that's supposed to be discouraging, but sometimes I believe in these times of need. It's so simple that we that we can miss it. We can miss it. We leave our old selves behind and then we fully accept Jesus as Lord and Savior over our lives.